Welcome everyone to another episode of Where's This Going? Before we get into it today, I want to remind everyone that they can find all information about myself and the podcast on my website, felix-levine.com. There you can find all previous episodes in both video and audio formats, as well as pictures from every recording. If you're a sponsor and looking to sponsor the show, there's all my contact information for you handy right there. I also want to remind you to please check out my YouTube channel that you can find by searching my name, Felix Levine, on YouTube. There, I please urge you to subscribe and you can find all highlights of every podcast and video versions as well as all of the full episodes. I also want to give a huge shout out to my sponsor, U.S. Wellness Meats. At U.S. Wellness Meats, they have 100% grass-fed beef, lamb, and bison, wild-caught seafood, pasture-raised pork, and free-range poultry. And that's just some of the amazing foods that are available at uswellnessmeats.com. At U.S. Wellness Meats, the owners are the farmers themselves, and they are the choice of championship sports teams, professional athletes, trainers, and families just like yours all over America. No need to sacrifice flavor for good nutrition. Their foods are nutritious and absolutely delicious. Use promo code PODCAST, that's P-O-D-C-A-S-T, to save 15% off your next order at uswellnessmeats.com. Go check it out today. I also want to give a massive shout out to my newest and latest sponsor, Odd Socks. At Odd Socks, they offer some of the best quality socks in the world at the most affordable prices. They offer socks with all of your favorite athletes, actors, cartoon characters, and even ones with different foods and beverages on them. If you're feeling classy, you can also buy their Basics line, which feature premium stylish socks at a very affordable price. Check out oddsocksofficial.com today. That's O-D-D-S-O-X, official.com today. And use promo code WTG20 and you will receive 20% off your next order. Go check them out. Their socks are unbelievable. I'm wearing the Godfather socks on right now and I absolutely love them. So please go check out their website and go use that code WTG20. My next guest is one of the greatest combat sport athletes of all time. He is a 10-time world Muay Thai champion. Please welcome, live from down under, John Wayne Park. live john wayne parse sir thank you so much for uh for doing this today mate no worries thank you for opportunity to have a chat live live from australia you are um yes so as i told live you a few, from down under. <laughs> exactly from down under uh as i told you a few seconds ago um if there's a little tidbit a little story that the world there's a lot there's there's documentaries there's interviews of you out there but a little tidbit or a story that the world doesn't already know about john wayne parse uh, so I'm very lucky to spend five years in Thailand, so I can speak, uh, fluent Thai, uh, and then not many people know that, uh, I have, a, a, a very natural, a Thai karaoke singing ability where I can, uh, rock the stage to make Thai people come out to the, the dance floor and start, uh, having a little bit of a boogie. So it's, it's, uh, it's pretty cool when you're, when you're the white guy in the club and you can make the Thai people dance to a Thai song. It's such a buzz. It's so cool. What, when did you uh, first realize that you had this, uh, this natural God-given talent to, uh, for Thai karaoke? So what happens, uh, I, I went down to the music store and, and I'd buy the most popular CD at the time. And then because at the time I, I couldn't speak Thai that, that great, so I put the CD in and I pressed play and then I pressed pause and I'd write down in English and I get the next sentence, play, pause, write next sentence. And I got to the stage where I, I, I memorized the whole CD so when I go to the karaoke bars, I'd ask if I could sing a certain song. And they're looking at me going, do you know this song? It's like, mate, come on, trust me. And then uh, the song would start playing and I start, I start uh, jamming. And next minute, one person come out of the dance floor, two people come out. Next minute, the, the whole dance floor would be full. And then the guy in the band goes, do you know any more songs? So mate, I know the whole CD. I can sing the whole CD. He goes, oh, you want to do a couple more? For sure. 
I'd be singing there, singing like five or six Thai songs in a row, and uh, I've never felt so much like a superstar before in my whole life. It was so much fun. I love it. Um, so I, I actually was just uh, watching yesterday the Blessed with Venom documentary, phenomenal documentary, Ooh, by the way. Uh, yeah. for, for people that, that for people that aren't familiar, for people listening at home, it's uh, it's a documentary that was what, when was it released? It was released a, a little while back, yeah. <laughs> 2011 and uh it documents your life and your journey uh going to thailand all of that but for people who might yeah. not be familiar with it yet um first of all go check it out after you listen to this but second of all will you just give a quick um recap because i'm sure you can do it far better than than i can of just how you first got into the combat sports and and you started at around age 11 is that correct yeah, so I started at 11 and then i was very lucky to to win a few titles here in australia first had 13 fights uh, I picked up a sponsorship with uh, my Thai sponsor, and, and uh, he sent me to go and live in Thailand for six months. And after six months, I had uh, five fights, five wins, uh, four knockouts. So he sent me back to Thailand again t- for for a full year. And that year, I had nine fights, I think five wins. Uh, by this stage, I started fighting on Peony, King's Birthdays, uh, on all the big shows on Thai TV, making the magazines, making the front covers of the magazines. Uh, and then they just kept going and going and going. So I ended up spending uh, approximately five years full-time in Thailand. And then uh, a, a few years ago, we went back to the to Thailand to record it, to record my history. We went to, uh, uh, to my old uh, camp, uh, interviewed my old training, my old manager. I uh, went to the, the famous stadiums, uh, interviewed a few of my old opponents. Um, yeah, it was really cool. It, it, it's not only about... Uh, my career, but it's also an introduction to Thailand about what it's like to live over there and the different culture and how Muay Thai is such a big part of um, Thai heritage, I guess. Now, so it's, it's not only good for me, but it's educational about the sport also. 100% agree. And when you first uh, started, you started Taekwondo at 11, that's correct? Yes. Did you have, like, did you immediately fall in love with it or did you fall in love with? This idea of potentially one day being a fighter, did you know at that point this is what you wanted to do, or was it not yet at that point? Yeah, no, no I, I knew I wanted to be a fighter approximately three years old. I remember uh, before I even started school, uh, the rock and wrestling was on TV. Uh, there was a TV show called Monkey Magic. Uh, it was a guy with a, a staff, and he'd be a bad guy with his martial arts skills. So I knew, I, and back in those days, uh, I lived on, uh, in the country. Uh, on uh, my parents were horse trainers, so I was very isolated, only child. Uh, I knew I wanted to be a fighter, but I didn't know what style it was going to be. And then um, eventually, at the age of eleven, we, we moved to Brisbane, which is the city. Uh, um, and then the, the we had a Taekwondo school just only like five streets away from my house. So it was the first time that I was allowed to have a little bit of freedom from my parents, where I could go out at night time and come back after class. Uh, so I, I started Taekwondo. Uh, I, I did about two or three gradings. I was very um, very passionate about the sport. And then uh, it wasn't long after that that uh, the, the Taekwondo school, they didn't have enough students to make enough money to afford their rent. So um, they eventually moved out. And uh, uh, there was a few months there where I was completely in, in uh, limbo. I was so lost. I didn't know what to do. Uh, and it was just happened about six months later, um, kickboxing came to the same hall that the Taekwondo school was at. I'm thinking to myself, ah, it's not Taekwondo. I'll do this, just keep fit until I find another Taekwondo school. So I started kickboxing, and then uh, in the very first class, I thought, this is amazing. So yeah, it just changed my whole perspective and on, on where I wanted to go and what direction I wanted to fulfill. And then um, just so happens, the movie Kickboxer came out not long after I started kickboxing. And then uh, here's a story of this gentleman that goes to Thailand, fights the, the Thai champion, and wins. So I said, oh, this is my new direction. Instead of going to Korea and doing Taekwondo, now my, my destiny is I have to go to Thailand and I have to fight the, the most scariest Thai in Thailand to get not only not only to justify myself, but to prove to the Thais that I'm good at your sport. And then, um, so that was been my motivation since I was approximately 13 years old. Uh, and I'm now 43 and I'm so happy to, to say that I got to live my uh, dream um, 10 times over not only did I get to go to Thailand but I got to win 10 world titles uh, fight the Thais and then the most satisfying part is when people go to Thailand now if they, if they, if they happen to mention my name the, the Thai camps are like, oh yeah we know John Wayne Park um, so for to go over there and to, and to leave a, to leave a mark to the Thais remember who I am it's such a it's so crazy 
I'm so humbled and um, appreciative of the opportunities that I've been given. Now, take me back to that that first day in the documentary. Um, it's uh, when you first get to Thailand. You're dropped off. I think one of the images is you're dropped off in front of the first place that you stayed at. I think it was Richard's brother's home, correct? Yes. And we take me yes. to what? And you were you were how old at that time? Uh, I'm 19. So you're a 19 year old from Australia. You get to Thailand. You don't. You, I imagine at that point you don't speak a word of Thai, right? Uh, no. All I can say is uh, so what the cup. Then so so Richard's brother and his wife they they dropped me off at the camp. And then after the formal introductions and a little bit of food and chit-chats, um, they get back in the car and they drive away. And I'm left with this family I've never met before in my whole life. And they can speak very limited English. So everything's uh, sign language. So hungry, sleepy, shower. It's just like so, so awkward to communicate. And then uh, uh, I ended up staying there for three months. And the training was okay. But there, there was it was... It was like one of the only camps in Thailand at the time to accept Westerners. They're very fortunate that a uh, very famous Thai, uh, Sankinoy, he came to Australia to have a fight uh, in my hometown. So he met my Thai sponsor and then um, while they were here, he took care of them, like took them to, uh, got him some jeans and pocket money and a bit of aftershave and he used sunglasses. Really, really gave him the, the, the good memories. All he asked in return was that if they could take care of me when they got back to Thailand and let me uh, uh, get uh, involved with their camp. So as soon as they got to Thailand, they, they come and pick me up. And then uh, from that moment forward, uh, I, I was a full-time fighter in Bangkok. And then, um, yeah, from there, my career just went straight up and up and up. So, um, yeah, it was very, very amazing. to to From being in the patio, which was which was okay, to, to, to go into Bangkok. And then it's a whole new world over there. Yeah, because that's where you become a superstar. That's where all the big stadiums are. And, and re- people are really paying attention. It's a bit different. Uh, a lot of people go to Samui or Koh Samui or um, Phuket these days. But if you really want to be a superstar, you really have to, to try and... Um, Make it big in Bangkok because that's where everyone's gonna. It only takes like five good fights, and all of a sudden you're a, a household name where you can have 20, 30 fights in the islands and, and no one cares. So, to be a star, you really have to base yourself in Bangkok to get noticed. And what's going on in your head, even those those first like couple of months that you're in in Thailand, you're 19. I think in the in the, in the documentary, you talk about sleeping in, in like Richard's brother's bed when he's taking up all the room and whatnot. I mean, were there, there had to have been doubts along the way, like, what am I doing? No? Yeah. Uh, sort of. Um, yeah, there was so sometimes a bit uncomfortable because uh, in the middle of the night, we were, we were sharing a double mattress. So in the middle of the night, I get an arm put over me or, or a leg, and then uh, it's like, ah, get off me. <laughs> but uh, at the same time, you, you do whatever you can to try and uh, cut corners because I didn't have much money. And if, I, if it meant um, sharing a bed with someone and, and to, to make ends meet, um, I was more than willing to do that just to become a superstar. Um, so then when I moved to Bangkok, uh, there, there was no beds. Um, we all slept on the floor side by side. So there'd be 10, 10 boxes on in one room um, and we're all like little rats. So sleeping side by side and then their arms and legs going everywhere and it's like, ah, so crazy. So you, you sleep together, um, you train together, you eat breakfast together. You'll sleep in the in the one room again all together during the day. And after you saddle over again, train, eat, sleep. Uh, so sometimes it was six days a week. Other times um, it was seven days a week, depending on how close the fight was. Uh, and then morning, you're expected to train three hours, afternoon, three and a half to four hours, uh, seven days a week. And then after a fight, you're allowed seven days off. So I jump in a bus, go to Padia, go to the Western area. Uh, speak English for a few days, eat a hamburger, maybe eat a pizza. And then after my seven days, I jump back on the bus, go back to Bangkok. And, and then I become a, a Thai again, speak Thai, eat Thai, train Thai. Um, so I, I did that consistently for uh, pretty much five years straight. And what did those, those camps look like um, in, terms of, in terms of your training schedule um, on a daily basis? What were you guys doing? Yeah, so you wake up, uh, I think we're on the road by about, uh, five thirty-six before try and beat the heat. Run, run for an hour in the morning. Come back, uh, do do bag, do pads. Uh, you finish with your kicks and knees and everything else. Uh, most uh, morning training wasn't as bad, and then afternoon training, the the big boss would be up by then, and he'd sit beside the ring and he'd watch every motion. So with 
with our camp in Bangkok, uh, our trainer, he only had one leg. So, yeah, it was bizarre. He lost his leg through a, a, a blood blood virus. Um, so they had to amputate his leg. Otherwise, he was going to lose his life. And because he lost his leg, he, he was very pissed off at the world. So he was very angry. Uh, so every day we were expected to train harder than the day, the day before. So there was no sucking off. Every day it was like, every day was like just crazy. And then, um, so... So you you run for an hour, you do your your bag, you do your bag, and then afternoon it's a it's a shorter run but more intensity with the pads in the bag and everything else, and then um, clinching for half an hour straight. And uh, with our camp, there was one guy that was my size, and he was a star of Thailand at the time. So I'd I'd last thirty maybe forty five seconds before it threw me over. I'd stand up, it threw me over again, threw me over again, threw me over again. And then um, eventually I, I got stronger and stronger and better and more balanced. And then eventually I started to hold my own. Um, but yeah, it, was a, it was a long process. It was very, very frustrating and um, it, it was tough. But uh, I'm, I'm very happy that I, I, I lasted the distance and um, got better. My, I, got, I, I needed to get better to survive every training, not just the fights, but the, to survive the, the training sessions. So um, yeah, it was cool. And then... Now I can I can say that um uh, I can pretty much hold my own with anybody now, especially when you get thrown in the deep end straight straight off the bat, and after that everything's easy now, easier. And do you recommend? I mean, there's a lot of like UFC and, and MMA guys that now will will go do their their camps in Thailand as a way to just dissociate from the rest of the world. Did you feel like when you were in Thailand you could just hone in? on your craft and you had absolutely zero distractions. Do you recommend that for young and upcoming fighters? Oh, for sure. Uh, because you don't have to worry about work. Um, you don't have to worry about, yeah, outside influences, like you said. Um, it's just, you, you wake up, you train, you have something to eat, you have a nap on the day, you wake up, you, know, you train harder again in the afternoon. Uh, and, yeah, it's it. There's, there, there is no outside influences. It's um and, and if you if you like it, Muay Thai as much as I do, uh, that's all that matters. Nothing else, nothing outside of that. No one cares. So my destination was to be the greatest, and um, so and there was no outside influences that, that was going to change in my direction, um, whether it be work, uh, girls, partying, whatever. Um, nothing was going to stop me from reaching the top. So being in Thailand, I could just fully concentrate on what I want to do, and and um. Just, just learn. Uh, yeah, it, it's uh, it's it's so tough because the the ties are so good, uh, especially when you first get over there. You're a 19 year old kid, and and they'll say, okay, we want you to do some light, uh, uh sparring with the, this 11 year old kid. It's like ah, he's only 11, and then this little 11 year old kid just towers you up. It's like holy shit, this kid's amazing, and then um, it's like I can't believe this little kid just smashed me. And then back in then there's too, there was, there was no shin pads either. So you had to learn the control because if you check with no shin pads on, it's shin on shin, it's bone on bone. So not only are you learning good skills, but you're also learning really good control. Um, yeah, it was so, uh, yeah, it's definitely, definitely a different, different world, but at the same time, the best world is if you want to learn, it's definitely well worth it. Save your money and go because you won't regret it. Do you think you could have had the, the career that you had if you hadn't done this, this journey in Thailand? I'm not sure. Uh, but before I left, I was 19. I, I was a bartender. Uh, I was easily easily influenced to the wrong, the, to the to the bad side. I, 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 so how's this? Uh, I, I got this this job at, at a nightclub, um, picking up glasses and bartendering. And then we had a staff meeting, and I, I said to the owner, "Oh, so, wow, yeah, no, ask questions at the end of the meeting. Um, anyone questions? Yeah, yeah. Um, hey, look, I've, I've only just been employed by the company." I'm a professional fighter. Is there any chance that this uh, the nightclub would like to sponsor me? And I said, oh, well, we, we can't give you money, but what we can do, we can give you free alcohol. So on your days off, um, you're more than welcome to come in the club and, and just we'll give you a manager's card, not just for you, but you and your friend can drink as much as you want at any night of the week that you're not working. And I say, yeah, of <laughs> So, yeah. The worst, the worst possible sponsorship you could possibly give a 19-year-old kid that, that – uh, at that time, was trying to find himself and realizing um, alcohol isn't the answer. But at that stage, it was the answer. It was the most greatest answer ever. Um, <laughs> so I'm glad, I'm, I'm glad that I got the opportunity to go to Thailand and escape. Um, 
Australia because a lot of my friends were starting to get arrested. They were stealing cars and doing dumb shit and just being kids. Um, so I, I'm, I'm lucky that I got out of that scene and um was saved my tie saved my life like you hear people say it all the time and it's such a such an easy thing to say but at the same time i I, i'm so fortunate and so blessed that um the my path was get out of australia and and, um focus on what you want to be yeah very cool and even going off that i think there's i just had a, a ufc fighter lyman good i don't know if you're familiar with him who was talking about how he for him it was he had a lot of anger growing up, and martial arts was a was an outlet. Was did you have any anger? Was was it an outlet in that sense, or was it just an outlet in the sense of it's going to keep me out of trouble? Yeah. So so growing up, like I was saying before, um, growing up on farm. So I, I went to eleven different schools growing up. Uh, I, I was always the new kid. So to keep saying, and, and at this age, I was an only child as well. So we'd, we'd not only just move up the road, we were changing states all the time and just um, introduce of the class. And I, I'd always hang out with the, 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 the nerdy kids at the start and try and find who were the cool kids later on. Um, but uh, martial arts and, and Muay Thai in general was my happy place. So even though we moved and I had no friends, the first priority was finding a new gym um, because I knew that's where I could be accepted. Uh, and I knew that my skills were at a high level where it wouldn't take long for me to uh, to make friends in the gym and, and um, be put on a little bit of a pedestal because I, I was trying to, to be somebody. Uh, the only way to do that was through through my fighting. Um, that was that was that was who I wanted to be. Um, uh, yeah, so going to all these different schools, my education is not, not the greatest, but at the same time, through sport and through um, combat, I was lucky to 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 get accepted and uh, very fast. And then in school too, once people, once the rumor goes around that you train martial arts, um, you don't get picked on, which is cool. <laughs> did you always? Did your parents always support you and uh, you going into fighting? Uh, yeah, my dad was. Uh, he was probably my biggest fan uh, growing up. Uh, once I got back from Thailand, uh, he was definitely my biggest fan. Uh, if, if the fight wasn't too far away, he'd jump on a jump in the car or jump on a plane and come and support me wherever it was. Uh, even one of my fights in K1, he flew to Japan and uh, came to the, I, I think it was when I fought Kraus in the 2005 K1 World Max Final. He, he flew over to fight, uh, Japan to come and support me. Um, so that was pretty cool. Uh, Mum... Mum came to my last fight against Mundine, but uh, yeah, she was because because I'm because she's the mum and you're the son. Last thing I want to see the son getting beat up or get a blood nose or a black eye. So, but she came and supported my last fight, which was really cool to see her in the crowd. So, so yeah, it's nice. And we're gonna take a quick break because I want to talk to you about the amazing developments that are taking place at one of my great sponsors, Manscaped. This is a real public service announcement, people, because after more than eighteen months of research and development the Manscaped engineering team has confirmed that they have successfully created the greatest ball hair trimmer ever known to man. This third-generation Manscaped trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to prevent manscaping accidents. Millions of balls all over the world are about to be nick-free thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin-safe technology. I know Valentine's Day was just a week ago, but, you know, it's never too late to trim. If you use the Lawnmower 2.0, it's an easy transition because it's the same replacement blade with a new and improved skin-safe technology. When I tell you this is premium, I mean absolutely premium. This battery will last up to 90 minutes, so you can take a longer shave. One of the coolest new features is the LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. They've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a rapid charging dock powered by USB. If you're listening to me speak right now, you're one of the first people to hear about this life-changing product and I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Trim all that junk of yours and you can do so while getting 20% off and free shipping with the code WTG at manscaped.com. Again, go get yourself that new lawnmower 3.0 and get yourself 20% off and free shipping with the code WTG at manscaped.com. Of course, as always, everyone at Manscaped knows that your balls will thank you. And let's get back into it. And I'm, I'm curious as to, to what your, your mindset has been or is before a fight and how that kind of progressed um, throughout your career from 
from when you were, you know, a hungry 16-year-old just turning pro to, you know, 43, I mean, 27-year-long career. Does your mindset change before a fight? Is it just, in the beginning, is it hunger? At the end, is it business? Or is it just passion and a little bit of everything kind of mixed in? Yeah, when so when I first started getting the, uh, making a name in Thailand, so I was fighting these ties, and then um, uh, I had um, I won my first nine fight streak, and then after that um, I started fighting the A class guys, like the the, the Thai former champions and champions. Um, uh, my first um, Thai killer was uh, Orono, and he was like a proper killer back then. And then uh, I remember getting diarrhea. You'd like the Eminem song, had diarrhea, and I was vomiting before the fight and just petrified. I was so scared. Um, he had close to 300 fights. And at that stage, I'd only had uh, 23. So 23 fights versus 300 fights. It eh, doesn't sound very <laughs> even. But, uh, but uh, the first two rounds was pretty even-ish. And then uh, ended of round two, he, he caught me with a uh, massive elbow, cutting me all through my eyebrow. And then um, started round three, cutting me under my eyes. Well, uh, the fight eventually got stopped. Uh, so, and then I was very lucky to, to rematch him after 30 more fights and a bit more experience, a little bit older, a little bit wiser. And then, and then in the rematch, I, I beat him on, on the King's birthday. So with the King's birthday, they have crowds of over 100,000 people that come to this big park in the middle of Bangkok and, and it's televised live on Thai TV as well. So, um, so not only did I get my revenge, but I got uh, I, I won his world title in kind of all his ties. It was, it was so cool. But as you were saying before, for the mindset, uh, because I was fighting these proper killers, um, I'd have all these um, – I'd create these boogeymen in my head where it's like, oh, he's too strong, he's too sharp. If I do this, he'll count me with this. And then I got to the stage where I was frozen because I'd, I'd created this image in my head that whatever I did, he'd be too strong. But then once the fight would start, um, that you realize, hang on a second, this is just another human. Um, he's tired, just like I'm. He feels pain, just like I do. So then I, I got to the stage, just like, all right, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna create a boogeyman. I'm just gonna believe in my skill set, believe in my skills. I know that if I, I've done the work. Uh, I put myself in the worst case scenario, and I can fight my way out of it. And then, sure enough, as soon as I started doing that, uh, and and believing in myself instead of questioning my abilities. Believing in my skills, believing my, my strength and my cardio, and then everything changed from that moment forward. I started winning and started getting better, and um, yeah, I, I eliminated eliminated burning up uh, uh, mentally draining energy that was a waste of time. I, I was spending all my money, think, uh, spending all my time thinking about things that I never eventuated. So I was like, I've got to stop thinking like that because it doesn't happen. And then, yeah, it's just the, the, the little things can can alter uh, your performance so much. And it's just those, those little positive um, things of, of changing your mindset and, and believing in you instead of creating something that doesn't, it's not going to happen. And when you were younger, I know you said you, uh, you wanted to be the best fighter, but did you ever think that you would have this career that you now have sitting here at, at 43 years old and everything you've done? Did you ever imagine that it could all happen like this? Uh, yes. Yeah, I, I, I knew. I, I knew my destiny. I, I knew I knew I had the skill set. From 11 years old when I started Taekwondo and I was, I was sparring the adults, um, I knew I was, I was destined. I was destined to reach my potential. Um, I remember coming home maybe... 12 or 13 years old telling mum mum I, I really believe I'm, I'm going to be a world champion one day and uh, she was she was in bed and she had a little bit of a giggle and, uh, and it's like ah, I'm going to use that as motivation for the rest of my life to prove you wrong and then uh, so at the age of 20, 24 I won my very first world title and I remember ringing my mum going remember that time you laughed at me when I was 11 or 12 she goes no and it's like, what do you mean you don't remember? I've been using that as my motivation for these last 20 years, 20, 10 years, and you don't remember? Because I have no idea what you're talking about. So um, what, what, what was such a small, insignificant little sentence was blown back. But for me, it was my, my main motivation. I want to prove you wrong. And then when I, when I finally did it, and then not only did I do it, I got to do it. Uh, 10 world titles. I know. So, um, yeah, it's so crazy. It's so cool that how what. One sentence can can drive you to to fulfill your destiny. And do you feel like also now um, Muay Thai and kickboxing, and I and I think it is largely thanks to you, is 
is more, you know, promoted in the Western world, but I still think there's a long ways to go. Do you ever think it'll be on, on a level, at least here in the U.S., like the UFC or some or a promotion of that level? Uh, I, I sincerely hope so. Uh, Muay Thai is, is so much fun. Uh, people love stand-up. Yet, uh, when when the they love stand-up in their MMA, UFC, Bellator, I like guys when they stand toe-to-toe. That's like, I can guarantee you that every single time with Muay Thai fights, but um, I think the big gloves in the ring is just a different different environment where it just doesn't get the respect that it deserves. Uh, it just needs someone that's uh, got a lot of money that can promote the sport. Uh, see, what happens is you got blue and red corner, and majority of the time, people don't know who these guys are. So you're watching for the spectacle, and, and it's still good, but with the, the UFC... Um, they invest so much money to create storylines. So you get to know who Ronda Rousey is, you get to know what she drives, you get to know what she does in her spare time. Uh, uh, and you're so invested in her that when you support her, so it's, it's wholehearted. Instead of just going A versus B, instead now you've got a personality versus personality. So you, you're more invested and you really want to support that person because, oh, they're very similar to myself, or I like that person because she's a good person, or, or I don't like that guy because, because he does certain things. Um, yeah, it just needs someone to create, create, um, profiles and, and superstars. We have no superstars in our sport. We do in Thailand, but in the Western world, there's, you name five guys and you're lucky to name five. Whereas you see, I can tell you, I can talk here all day about the Connors and the Cowboys and the Khabibs and it's just, uh, it's just, it's a different world. We just need someone, I need a, a serious investor to help promote and, and get it out there to the, to the lounge rooms that don't see the sport. Did you ever contemplate perhaps, um, you know, making a, a move to, to like a UFC or, or something of that nature and working more on a, on a ground game? I mean, you, you, you were, you know, very close in terms of skill sets. You could probably beat a lot of those guys just standing. Then, you know, there's the jujitsu and the wrestling. But did you ever contemplate that kind of thing? Uh, so, so I moved to Thailand in 1996. And then uh, I moved back to Australia in the 99. And then I did another couple, uh, I, I do three months here, four months there, three months there. So another, say, five years in Thailand. And then um, I was getting all these Muay Thai opportunities. And then every time I fought, my prize money would go up and up and up. And then it got to the stage where I was, well, if I was a, to commit to a UFC, like, that means I'd be fighting for three again for my first three amateur fights. And um, I, I was so busy with Muay Thai and making money that I, I couldn't really step back and, and, to, and to learn a new skill set. Uh, even though UFC was like uh, on the up and up, because at that stage it was, it was early days. And um, yeah, it wasn't where it is now. But um, um, but I I have no regrets. Um, my Muay Thai career was amazing. Um, I got to go to Thailand. I got to fight all over the world. Uh, I might not be rich like a Conor McGregor, but at the same time, uh, I'm happy. I'm happy that I have all these memories that are priceless. Uh, I got to meet so many people. Got to tour, and um, I still got to do seminars. So at the same time, um, yeah, I. Uh, and I'm so, I'm, I'm a stand-up guy too. As much as uh, I've done a little bit of jiu-jitsu in the past, and I, I'd rather be uh, a solid Muay Thai guy than a okay MMA guy. So, so yeah, I'm content. And take me back to your, to your latest fight with uh, with Mundine and uh, great fight. And then in the in the post post fight interview is a like a beautiful moment because it's a you know the retirement fight, the rush of emotions. What was going on the, in your head throughout that fight? Did you know? Were you getting emotional thinking this was the last, you know, this could be the last round. This is the last moment of, of me uh, me in a ring. Well, take me back to, to what your mindset was during that, the lead up, and then after the fight, the rush of, you know, feelings that you had. So, so for the last probably uh, two years, my, my uh, left hip has slowly been generating. Uh, I, I've been told I've got osteoarthritis in my hip and then uh, yeah, the more camps that I do and the more training that I do it's, uh, it's getting worse and worse and worse and the pain's increasing and then it's getting to the stage where it hurts to walk and hurts to sleep uh, I've got, had a couple of cortisones in there but um, they only give you the same much relief before the pain kicks in again um, so I had my my last fight for Bellator was in Japan uh, August 18th um, so I had the fight, and and then um, the the camp was excruciating, left kicks and knees and teats and checking and everything just hurt. And then uh, I got the opportunity to have a, a boxing fight. And I'm thinking this is crazy, this is perfect because uh, I don't have to kick for ten weeks. Um, 
So five weeks before the fight, I got an updated MRI, and that, that told me, oh, look, there's, there's no cartilage left in your hip. Uh, yeah, your bone marrow is very, very uh, sorry, your, your bone is very brittle, and, and the bone marrow is swelling inside the bone. Um, so if you can, I know there's five weeks left to go to the camp, but we need you to stop running. What? Stop running? I can't stop running. I said five more weeks. And they go, you don't understand that there's life after fighting. There's more to there's more to life than just fighting. And it's not. It's <laughs> only fighting. That's all that matters is fighting. And then uh, so I thought, ah, oh, fuck it. I'm just gonna keep running anyway. I don't care. And then so I train. And then ten minutes after I stop training, just I get waves of pain up the bone, not just the, the hip socket itself, but up the bone. And then um, I, I went to Doctor Google. And Dr. Google says sometimes if you have too much trauma in the in the femur bone, the, the bone marrow can turn into leukemia. I'm thinking, oh, that's not good. <laughs> <laughs> so for five weeks, for five weeks, I'm thinking, holy shit, I'm gonna get leukemia if I keep trying keep running. <laughs> but I don't wanna I don't wanna experiment with swimming or, or riding a bike or something in case I get to round six, round seven, and I hit the wall and it's like I'm not fit enough. Whereas now, if, I know if I run, I'm in perfectly fit, um, physical condition. Uh, and then they've, they've told me, look, we need to stop running just in case uh, your femur head either splinters or snaps at the head. So some days I'm thinking, should I take my phone with me in case my femur head snaps while I'm on my run and I'm stuck in the middle of a path and I can't stand or walk or I need to call an ambulance or say so for five weeks in, the, in my head, I've got all these, um, not only do I have to try and get fit for the fighting 10 rounds and boxing and fighting the, a former world champion and everything else. But also got to deal with all these, um, what ifs, what if I get leukemia, what if my female had snaps? Um, and all I could think to myself was, well, hopefully if I win, I'm going to have some great stories to tell. And, and luckily for me, uh, I won the fight. I got some cool stories. Um, I overcome my adversity. I don't think I have leukemia. I think I'm okay. <laughs> my so. female head didn't snap. But <laughs> Uh, so yeah, it's just, um, it was, it was a mental challenge and I was doing, I was seeing the chiropractor three times a week. I was doing a chirotherapy, which is, um, where they isolate with the, the, the chiro, the, the, uh, nitrous oxide to try and freeze the bone, not just the fem the, the female, but they're trying to freeze the bone to help the bone marrow settle. Um, getting acupuncture, getting massaged. I was doing everything possible just to survive the 10 week camp to get through to that first round. And um, yeah, it was uh, it was so hard. It was so mentally draining just to try and to survive the camp. And then um, then I won. So 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 at the end of the fight, um, I think I was just overwhelmed by um, getting the win. But just um, just the battles that I had for that whole ten weeks and to come out successful and to get the win and and realizing that it's all over so after a hundred and. 47 fights just to realize that that was the last one there was because uh, I don't want to stop I don't I don't want to retire I love what I do um, getting old sucks I, I highly recommend not getting old because it, it, it stuffs up everything I'll try uh, man <laughs> yeah are you so I really I, I love running I love running I love training I really love fighting and to have that taken away from me is um through I, I said my whole career from my little boy as soon as I as soon as my body breaks, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna train and fight so my body can no longer do it. And it's got to the stage now where um I, I even if I want to come back, I can't because the pain's just too excruciating. So I'm happy that um, I got to fight a credible champion in Anthony Mundine um, in a different sport of boxing, and, and coming out um, successful is like a, a dream come true. Would you say you're at peace with 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 everything now? Now that you've had like a little month and a oh, half yeah. since the since the fight. Yes. Uh, uh, I'm very, very happy that uh, it couldn't happen any any better, uh, especially coming to boxing, proving my my boxing skills against a, a, a legit boxer. Uh, it shows hopefully that I, I can multitask. I can I can Muay Thai, I can K1, I can shoot box, I can box. Um, any anything comes as uh, stand up striking or stand up combat. Um, I'm hopefully world class. So yeah, I'm very fortunate. And then. Yeah, it was an opportunity for me to get my name out there to the Australian public as well, because not everyone follows Muay Thai, but everyone follows boxing, and everyone follows Anthony Mundine. So, so to beat him, now uh, a month later, I can walk down the street and people congratulating me to this day. It's um, it's such a nice feeling to uh, let's say 
if I went overseas and I fought the Odds and Glory or I fought Borkow or something, I come back to Australia and no one knows, no one has any idea what's going on. But because you fought Anthony Mundine, all of a sudden um, people care. And then because you beat him too, it's like, oh yeah, congratulations. But, so it's nice to finally to get that recognition and that um, uh, that little bit of, of, a, of a profile where people know my name now, which is really cool. And we're going to take another quick break because I want to talk about my newest and latest sponsor, Tushy. Everybody in this world poops, so Tushy is for everyone. Wiping with dry toilet paper does not always get you clean. But I have a question for you guys. If you got poop on any other part of your body, would you just wipe it off with dry paper? No, you probably wouldn't. Thankfully, my friends over at Tushy created a new and sleek bidet attachment that clips into your existing toilet and sprays your butt with the same exact water you brush your teeth with. It's not that nasty toilet water. It's that clean, fresh water. This Tushy bidet is the best thing you can do for yourself. Tushy connects to the water supply behind your toilet and is super easy to use. The best part, it's that it's only $79 and it installs within 10 minutes. And even better, no plumbing or electricity is required. Go to hellotushy.com today. And when you use promo code WHERE, that's W-H-E-R-E, you will receive 10% off your next order. Again, go to hellotushy.com today, use that promo code WHERE, W-H-E-R-E, and you will receive 10% off your next order. And now let's get back into it. And you had not only is an unbelievable career, but when you when you think of professional athletes, I mean, you had your first pro fight at it was sixteen years old. Not fourteen. Four, fourteen. So that's a twenty nine year long professional career. I mean, that's unbelievable. What? Yeah. What? I, I had a few taekwondo fights as well when I was um, competing taekwondo. So, so that was at eleven. Wow. So technically, thirty two years of competing. I mean, what? What? So, what, yeah. what? When you think about that, what? What are you most proud of? Uh, uh, to leave, uh, to leave, to put Australia on the map in Thailand. Um, that's probably my my biggest achievement. Is um, when when people think of uh, Australian Muay Thai in Thailand, the first name that pops up is John Wayne Pa. And uh, to me, it's like to to work so hard and to sacrifice everything I have, and to now to be to be remembered for what I sacrificed is very humbling. It made it all worthwhile. And all the time that I I doubted myself. Um, I'm, I'm, and then, uh, so back then, my Thai trainers were saying, uh, "You're the you're the first person to to pretty much live here full time and and to devote your your life to Muay Thai." A lot of Westerners were flying for a month, stay a month, do a camp, have a fight, then go home. But to be that guy to live there like four years full time um, and stay on the circuit and, and be, uh, I'm a, only a phone call away for the promoter. Um, and then I raised the bar. So now, now it's like very popular for everyone to go to Thailand and, and stay long term and it's multiple years at a time. And so I, I was the, the guy that, that showed the Westerners that you can do it. You can do it. You, you don't, um, why, why do a shitty job that you hate when you can go to a foreign country and, and do a sport that you love and you're not going to get rich, but at the same time, you're going to be, um, happy. You, you might, you might be comfortable and happy. Um, but, Life isn't about money sometimes. Life is about creating memories that you can be proud of to tell your family and friends. And that the, some memories are priceless. My, my memories are uh, go and live the dream. It's not all about money. It's about creating memories that are you're uh, precious. And speaking speaking of family, what? How did uh, becoming a father uh, change your percep- or change your mindset as a fighter? If it did. Uh, yeah, it definitely gave me a, a different perspective on what was worthwhile. So before when I was a, a single man, uh, I, I was in this special circle of uh, train, fight, get money, party. And then once the money ran out, then we start training again. And then it was just this, this I couldn't, um, yeah, it was, it was a, a, a road to nowhere. And then once I w- had my first um, uh, child, Jazzy, uh, and then everything changed. Everyone's like, I have something to fight for now. Uh, so now I'm training harder. Uh, if I'm getting into the deep end in the fight, I can grip down and, and I have something worth fighting for. And then straight after the fight now, instead of going and partying, um, I just go, go home. There'd be no after parties anymore. I'd, I'd rather save save the $200 I'd, I'd spend on alcohol to, to, to pay the babysitter and, 
that let her go home early so I didn't have to pay overtime. Yeah. And now that you're now that you're in this, you know, next phase of your life, I know in the movie, in the documentary, sorry, you talk about uh, potentially getting into acting. I know you've done a little bit of acting already. Um, is that something that you look forward to, to continuing and pursuing in this in this next chapter? Or is, I know you also have your gym. I mean, what what do these next like five, ten years look like, you hope? So I've got my gym I've been running for the last 20 years here on the Gold Coast uh, and then seminars. And, and then I've been very lucky to be on Joe Rogan a few times and I, uh, I can bounce off him before you know it. Three hours has passed like that. Um, I'm very lucky. I'll be hopefully going back to, on the Joe Rogan podcast uh, mid-February. So I want to go over there and celebrate the career with Joe. Um, um, just talk about the, the adventures and everything else. And, and he's, he's, he's the sort of guy that has so many listeners that where he can um, open up a lot of doors. So hopefully um, once I put the feelers out there, we'll, we'll see what happens. But um, yeah, if I could just, just be involved with the sport somehow. Um, yeah, it'd be a shame to just... Uh, retire and, and and just disappear into the into the night i, I still want to be relevant when it comes to uh, muay thai and combat sports and talk about your your relationship with joe rogan and how that came about because i there's a lot of videos of you guys um i think ones where you're you're showing him a proper kick and he's kick I and mean, he he has a mean leg kick as well um how did you guys kind of become friends and and what has the experience been i mean you've been on rogan a couple times already um what was that like yeah amazing so, so uh, I was very lucky that on Twitter, uh, uh, people would write on Twitter and they say, oh, you should go on Joe Rogan, you should go on Joe Rogan. And it kept happening, kept happening. And then out of the blue, one day, Joe goes, I'd love to have John Wayne on my podcast. I'm a big fan of his. I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God. <laughs> so then I, I showed him a, a, a private message going, hey, uh, if I book a ticket to America, can I come on the show? He goes, of course, no worries. I said, what about next week? And he goes, done and it's like holy shit so i booked a ticket and then um i think the podcast was the sunday let's say that it was on the sunday so i flew to america on the saturday and then i got off the plane turned on my phone and and then i got a message from joe he goes hey we've got the 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 fight companion on tonight do you want to come and do the fight companion tonight with eddie Barber and brian callan and brennan Shaw, and um we'll do the fight companion tonight then we'll do the other podcast tomorrow holy shit uh shot sure. So I jump in a taxi and then um, there's everyone in the room. It's like, hi, Brad, hey, Joe, hey, Brendan is like, this is amazing. This is so crazy. And there was a very strange odor in the room. I'm not quite sure <laughs> if they were burning, burning, burning incense or what was going on. It's like, this, yeah. <laughs> um, and I felt very light, lightheaded all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, it was, it was super cool. And then, uh, uh, so that was, I did the first one. And then a few months later, I, I went back to the States to fight uh, Cosmo Alexander in a lion fight. And then after the fight, Joe sent me another message saying, hey, um, since you're in the in the hood, do you want to come back on the podcast again? I said, holy shit. So I did my second podcast with him. And then um, that was really cool. That was another three hours. It just went like that. And then uh, the very next day, he sends me a private message. Hey, um, I just want to let you know that we're, we're the number one trending podcast in America today. It's like, holy shit. That's amazing. That's so cool. And he sent me a screenshot of the, the top five podcasts. It's like, this is crazy. So, um, so I've been corresponding backwards and forwards. Oh, yeah, that's right. So, so the, the first podcast that we did, Joe's like, hey, um, since you're in the States, do, do you want to come over to my home and um, we'll do a bit of training and then we'll have something to talk about on the podcast later? For sure. So I get to his house and he's got like a proper gym set up in his garage and bag and a matted area and caged off area. Um, so we got there and... and starstruck and then i just thought oh, i just treat this like another pt so instead of thinking oh no that's joe rogan i just thought all right i'm just going to treat him as a student all right joe and and then from that moment just took control all right we're going to do this this and this and he was like so so open-minded that he would just try everything that i said and then um uh, a gentleman that was there with us he he recorded all the all the all the action and then he put the videos he put the tapes away and it was only the last couple of weeks that he, he messaged me saying Hey, you wouldn't believe it. I was cleaning out my garage and I've just come across all this old footage. So that's all the stuff that I've been sharing recently. He's been sending a little um, snippets at a time. I was like, this is gold. Why didn't you send me this four years ago? So uh, I'm but at the same time, lucky to send it now because now it's more relevant now than it was back then. Even. So, um, and Joe's just like, the, sometimes you got to pinch yourself at, oh shit, that's Joe. But the same, he's just like the, the greatest dude you can ever possibly meet. Yeah. Besides being a superstar, he's, he's just one of the boys. 
and, he, and he's so easy to talk to as well. He's, um, I remember the, the first podcast, um, we were chatting away and then he goes, I noticed that you keep saying, um, you keep saying this and you keep saying you want to be famous. And he was dissecting everything that I was saying without even me noticing. So I didn't even realize I was saying that that much. He goes, yeah, you're saying this, this, and this, what does that mean? And then, um, it was like being on the psychiatrist, psychiatrist's <laughs> couch. He was just pulling, pulling it all out of me without even him trying. That's like, ah, I feel violated. <laughs> but at the same time, it was cool. Jason, man, I, I can't wait to get back again. Would you ever start your own podcast of your own now that you have a slightly more time than perhaps before? Um, definitely. Um, it could be something for sure. Uh, I really enjoy having a, having a giggle, having a joke, um, taking the piss. Uh, very Aussie style. I just thought it was very sarcastic. Uh, and, and yeah, and if I can get someone that likes combat sport as much as I do, I, I, can, I can talk about fights all day. So, yeah, maybe, who knows? In the future, anything could happen. And just to, just to wrap things up, how do you hope that people remember you as a, in terms of legacy when it's all said and done? John Wayne Parr as, as a man, as a father, as a, as a fighter. What do you hope people will remember? Uh, I hopefully, hopefully just a warrior. Um, I, uh, you probably heard, I've said this multiple times in the past, but yeah, just, I wanted, I wanted to leave a legacy. Um, I didn't just want to be a flash in the pan fighter. I wanted to be the guy that people from not only my kids, but hopefully my grandkids can be proud of their grandfather saying my, my great grandfather was a, a champion. Uh, not only did he, he do well for Australia, but he, he helped us, um, put my time on the map here in Oz and, um, hopefully I'm the I'm the Aussie version of Mike Nom Dom who, who started the Muay Thai revolution in Thailand with that bought the nine Burmese and also um, hopefully I can be that guy that, that that took his martial art seriously had a dream and got to fulfill it multiple times over you can find John Wayne Parr on Instagram and Twitter at John Wayne Parr do go watch that documentary that you can find on YouTube yes. for free Blessed with Venom yes. John, John Wayne, it was a, an absolute honor to, to have you on my show. Um, I remember when I when I first I well I first heard you on on Rogan, and then I checked out all your all your highlights and everything. And and you know it's it's crazy because I think more people here in the West there's a lot of UFC fans, but I mean there's some straight killers like yourself out in Thailand. Um, and I hope that you know more people hear you and hear your story and uh, and your humility and and just as a, as a fighter as a warrior, you know what I mean. And so. Um, uh, it's a pleasure, and if I'm if I'm ever in Australia, I'll have to come down, and uh, I'll uh, you gotta you gotta teach me a couple kicks, and uh, if you're ever in New York, you're always welcome on in the studio on the show, and uh, truly truly an honor, man. Thank you so much for taking the time. And I thank you, it's a pleasure, and um, thank you for letting me share my story with it, with all your listeners. Thank you, sir, and uh, congratulations on on retirement. And I wish you absolutely nothing but the best with uh, your next life. Hey, thank you. And just a reminder, don't get old. It sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try not to. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs>